0: This podcast is an open discussion with professionals about their experiences and or opinions in regard to the medical field. This podcast is not factual or researched unless otherwise indicated. The viewpoints and opinion are in no way a representation or a perceived association of our employers, past or present. Discussions and information will be within accordance of the Health and Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA. Any stories throughout have had names changed to provide safeguard. There are adult themes discussed throughout as well as occasional use of profanity. You have been warned. Now let's get down and dirty. thought lobotomy was whenever you got your lung taken out, and I was like, no, that's a lobectomy. Just
1: confessions, a So another confession, I hit record. This could be the beginning of our episode. <laughs> 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 Welcome to Real Nurses Unfiltered. <laughs> that <was really> <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was really funny. Hi guys, it's Jess. It's Rihanna and Happy Cinco de Mayo. Yay! We drink him.
0: We're having some margaritas for the holiday.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay? All my people out there that celebrated celebrating Cinco de Mayo, cheers to you.
1: It was Cinco cheers. de Mayo on a Taco Tuesday. I'm going to move the mic. <laughs> Both of our mics. That's to. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it was that plastic was- on plastic. <laughs> <laughs> These are it's a oh, It's very <laughs> <encyclastic. laughs> Oh, It's because we've chilled them so much. <laughs>
0: that was really funny.
1: There's like a picture I have hanging in my house, and it's Jess and I at this local like Mexican restaurant that's closed down. Yeah, um, drinking margs. So we, we thought that we would have over tequila. It today. Yeah,
0: frozen margs. That was such a good day. That was yeah. a very random day.
1: It was. Uh, weren't we like running errands? We're like, let's get a margarita, and then we got like we pretty drunk margaritas. in the middle of the day. They're huge. three margaritas. They're really good. Wow. I don't know. Anyway, it was a good time. I mean, even in um, quarantine. You got to drink, right, and get through it Mm -hmm. for our mental health, which... That's today's episode.
0: We're talking about, it's like a mental health addiction thing. We're doing both. Yeah. We're doing it all. We're encompassing it all.
1: Admittedly, we didn't really prepare for this episode. Well... Like, we looked up some stuff, but, like, I don't know.
0: Well, we're, yeah, we have a lot of points, and I've been, we've been doing some research to provide numbers and, you know, painting the real picture, But before we dig in, how have you been? What's going on?
1: Um, the same. (laughs) Truly. Uh, Also, I realize I'm saying truly a lot.
0: Oh, I didn't even
1: realize it. I have realized it. Yeah, okay, okay. But, um, and I haven't drank a Truly in a very long time. I got some downstairs. No, these like new packs of, so we have uh, margaritas with tequila and White Claw. So
0: White Claw, you should sponsor us because we're uh, promoting it.
1: Because <laughs> like, we're drinking it every time we record. So
0: the White Claw, side note. So White Claw came up with the original pack, which was lime, black cherry, Blech. raspberry, Meh. and grapefruit. Yum. So now they've come out with. Uh, I was going to say volume two, but pack number two variety pack, which is tangerine, mango, watermelon, and lemon. It's like a game best. changer. It is a game changer. I love all of them. All those flavors. Anyway, continue with how you're doing.
1: I'm fine. Now that I've white Kwan tequila in me. Um, I mean, the only thing that's happened is I found black mold in my room. <laughs> so that's, I have one day off and tomorrow I'm spending it scrubbing my walls with like this vinegar baking soda, mixture to pull because I sleep with a humidifier because if not then my tonsils are swollen and I can't function I like suck. She falls apart if she sleeps. <laughs> if I, I have, have a dry that. mouth while I'm sleeping. <laughs> so apparently I made my room way too fucking humid which I kind of knew because my windows would be like wet when I would wake up in the morning. But like I didn't feel hot and apparently windows. it was humid enough <laughs> to draw like the black mold out of my like house that was built in the 1800s and
0: like <laughs> It's actually a <asbestos> specimen. <laughs>
1: but it's not I looked it up I did like one day I spent like three hours just reading about mold and I was like who am I it was this existential crisis it's not toxic mold cause it doesn't smell earthy like it doesn't smell like anything earthy
0: wow we really went there
1: that's what it says that's what the interweb says and so it's less toxic to my cats although apparently exposure to black mold if cats go under they like die with anesthesia if they've been exposed to mold so oh. my cats will never get surgery now my poor children no surgery for you. None. You you can have that tumor, but you're you not dying die. on me. You gonna die. I swear, you cutting it out. You gonna die. On Vigo your own is like my, my number one man. That's my black cat, and I've told Carter many a times that like Vigo is is my number one man in my life. No one or no, and nothing in this world loves me more than that cat. <laughs> <laughs> I Truly no though, <laughs> <laughs> like I yeah. have no. <laughs> <interest> <laughs> You've seen now. it though. You agree with me. <laughs> How have you been? Oh. Our our soon to be graduate. Oh my gosh. So I'm, We're about um, to have a nurse practitioner on this. Uh, Does that make us more legit? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> We're
0: definitely gonna need accreditation now. No. <laughs> Maybe um, a sponsor. But go get sponsored through this guy. Sponsored. <laughs> um, <laughs> what am I never mind? We'll go into that later. Um so, we'll backtrack. So, my mental health has not been super awesome recently. I got really overwhelmed with social media. And I'm the type of person that I don't give two craps of what people post on social media. Mm-hmm. I'm the mom that I scroll through and I see moms that post these pictures and they all look lovely. Their kids are all put together. And I don't get envious of that. I don't yeah. not feel bad about it. But there's people out there who legit, like, lose it because they don't mm-hmm. feel like they're adequate and blah, blah, blah. So I was, I'm fine with that. But recently I've just been seeing so much negativity on social media about Mm -hmm. the whole state of the world and how we're navigating things and conspiracy theories and like how to move forward. And so. Bunch of bullshit. Being on the front lines and being someone who is literally sacrificing not only the safety of myself, but my family every day it really really just hurt me on a whole different level and so I deleted Facebook and Instagram off of my cell phone and then I just made myself present every day with my family that I was able to um and then I wrote a blog about it and which was really good I got a ton of like
1: it really, really good, good feedback
0: blog. about and it's just like calling people out on like how you don't have to use human lose your humanity through this and you mm-hmm. know just like and I know that, like, the news always paints bad pictures. Always. Like, even before this. Yeah. But, you know, you have to find the good in things. And you yourself also have to be that good person. Yeah. And so, you know, even as a nurse now, like, there's been so many stories about people, like, getting assaulted if they wear their scrubs out. So now I don't wear my scrubs out because of just, like, the thought of that happening to me. And, like, dealing with that confrontation, it just drives me crazy. Yeah. But anyway... Um, After I wrote that blog, I feel like I really did, like, a full 180, and I'm, like, a lot better now. There was a couple sunshiny days that I got tan, and I was like, yes!
1: Oh, yes. I feel like my bout of, like, really bad lows were, like, that stretch of rain, and then I had one sunny day, and I'm like, I feel good today. Then the next day is cloudy. I'm like, meh. Yeah,
0: yeah, No, for real, for real. And so last Friday, we had our last, like, Zoom session online for my master's degree. So, and I'm really bummed because um, Friday I was supposed to graduate and have the ceremony. And then we were going to go out. We have a local, like, bowling alley, bar, arcade thing in our town. Like, a which adult is Phenomenal.
1: It's really great. Way right? better than, like, Dave and Buster's because it's, it's in, like, a really old school. So, it looks... It's and it's
0: very authentic her, to the county. Yeah.
1: Which is great. Yeah. But, like, we had this huge
0: party that was going to be set up there we on sure Friday. Did. And then Saturday we were going go to go to the Brewfest, Brewfest. which is... Another thing that we've done years on end, and then my husband and I were going to get like, and whoever wanted to, we were all going to get hotel rooms, and we were going to we stay were the skinny
1: night. dip. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, listen. And the hotel swimming pool,
0: and like anything happens after Brewfest, this whole awesome thing, and I like have the next eight days off of work, so I'm super bummed about it because I'm not not only with my kids for the next eight days. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love my kids; they're phenomenal, and they're the best things about me. Um, but I just, I'm just
1: dealing with it.
0: Yeah, which is fine. I'm excited about it, but now I really have to crack down and start studying for boards because yeah. uh, that's gonna happen in like a month or two. two so
1: we are later. probably we are after this gonna have like a little break. Yeah. Till you pass your boards, um, we had like all these different episodes planned out, and then you know we didn't feel like it was the whole world shut down. Yeah, and bum, I bum, bum. like we uh, went off track for like episode outline so I think we had like two or three more after this and then it was going to be the season finale but this will be our last episode because when we come back to season two it'll be an RN board certified and a nurse practitioner motherfuckers listen I hope so girl
0: I ain't that smart I ain't that smart yes you are I just look up stuff I mean
1: same oh shit she almost just done toppled over (laughs) I've been watching too much RuPaul's Drag Dragways (laughs) Dude, well, this is only my second sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is my second this is only my second margarita. And I'm only one white client, but I also have only had pretzel balls. This is yeah. gonna get interesting. But um I mean Because I'm I always keep on to say, it's definitely a ball. It's pretzel bites. Have you ever, I don't feel whenever like whenever you inch-
0: go to the movie theater, you say, I'll take one of the pretzel balls. But
1: they're like oh, o lo- like oolong, not oolong, oval shaped. <laughs> i was like like oolong what TV the hell yeah <laughs> oolong musk i'm just kidding <laughs> thank you him and grimes had their baby anyways um these are like balls i digress but anyways um yeah so this will be our season one's finale
0: yes thanks for all those who have participated and listened and hung out
1: and okay, gave feedback it has been wonderful we appreciate you guys. but we're still gonna celebrate friday I'm still going to come over Friday night because I only work oh, an eight-hour shift. Yes. Yeah. I was
0: like, what are we talking about? I think that we're going to do a social distancing get-together, and I'm just going to sit my fat ass out in the su- out in the front. It's a fine a ass, not a chair. fat ass. And I'm just going to sit there, and if you want to drive by and wave and say congratulations, if you want to sit six feet away from me in your chair and drink mm-hmm. brew with me, I'm going to let that happen. For sure. You can risk it. You can wear your face mask. I don't care. Yeah. I will have sanitizer on tap for you if you want. Exactly. be okay, kidding. I mean, I can make some. We're good.
1: I have a butt tongue. I'll just squirt it. It could be like, um, I know that that sounds inappropriate only because the face just made when I said that, but like uh, we it should it just together. make squirt guns of like sanitizer, sanitizer. and just <gasps> squirt people with sanitizer. Yeah. I hope it's okay. nice enough out. It's
0: probably
1: not. Good. So we were going to record this outside today, but so it's like chilly it's and gray and yeah, it is super windy. So we are Cinco de mayoing inside. De main. De main. It's supposed to
0: get like, yeah, it's cold. It's I mean, it's fifty-four degrees, but it's, it's to be Fifty-nine soon.
1: A bit nippy. A bit nippy.
0: Anyway, so I wanted to briefly start this episode by giving quick definitions of depression, anxiety, and addiction. Just you know,
1: A good baseline. Start off
0: like just good base coat. All of those people that you know, you may think one thing, but actually it's defined as another. So, we'll start with depression, and I'm reading this, so if I screw it up, I'm sorry. (laughs) So, it's a mental condition characterized by feelings of severe despondency and dejection, typically also with feelings of inadequacy and guilt, often accompanied by lack of energy and disturbance of appetite and sleep
1: well i fit that definition wow and i'm gonna inadequately cope by drinking <laughs> and then
0: anxiety is a feeling of worry nervousness or unease typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome and i feel like you could also add that like things that don't really...
1: Maybe not even an imminent event, yes, but like, like a perceived...
0: Yes, like people like, were, like yeah. have anxiety about things that aren't even realistic.
1: Like, yeah, I or like things that it. aren't actively happening, but could maybe possibly, yeah. possibly happen in the future. Like the I feel that from my soul.
0: So then addicted definition is physically and mentally so get that catch that in there physically and mentally dependent on a particular substance and unable to unable to stop taking it without incurring adverse effects okay that's a lot like that's heavy like that made my heart hurt like it gave Mm -hmm. me cold chills just because i feel like so many people whenever they think of addiction they think it's just one like it's just a physical addiction it's just a mental addiction and it's not both
1: Oh, it totally is mean? both.
0: But a lot of people, like, I would, it's my thinking that people wouldn't think yeah. that they go hand in hand. And it says that y- you were unable to stop taking it without incurring adverse effects. So, so you like, have to have something bad happen. So,
1: you probably have, like, physical illness, as we've seen. Like, alcohol mm-hmm. withdrawal and, like, like um, opioid withdrawal and stuff and work. And then also, like, probably increased depression and anxiety. Yeah.
0: Like, I think about gambling. Like, you lose stopping- everything then. Yeah, you lose literally everything, and then until or if you happens, stop, or until you hit rock bottom, and anything, yeah, then you're able to. Anyway, yeah. so that's where we're starting today, people, with depression, anxiety.
1: And then we're going to touch on a little bit of history of mental exactly. health because and like, like kind of like the, it's not really the politics behind it, but also kind of like where, where it's come from. Yeah. So Grover just attempted to get on your lap. Didn't work. Is now over on mine and he yeah. just did the classic ask mom and dad. I. He's not crying uh,
0: out, but
1: I don't know why no. it's my neon pants. Um <laughs> So all this is from mental health, America, national.org where I got like the numbers and the years and stuff, you know? Okay. So um, some in the U.S. a lot and in other countries, mental health is sometimes viewed as um, culturally as a religious punishment or demonic possession because, like, I kind of want to give a background of this because of how people, like, negatively associate mental health issues and stuff.
0: They think it's made
1: up? Yeah, or they think it's, like it can be helped or not like helped, but like it can be prevented or it's like punishment for something that you've done. Um, in the 1840s institutional. Wow. I can't even read my own handwriting institutional inpatient care model. It's the most effective way to care for the mentally ill. And by having institutions in the 1800s, it increased access, which is going to be a huge topic, um, access to care and state hospitals,
0: I love how you did that. Were available. Okay, I'm theory. just like,
1: let me know. This is the <laughs> foreshadowing of a soapbox I'm getting on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and by having these institutions that increase access to mental health care, which in theory sounds awesome, but in reality, they were often underfunded and understaffed. So mm-hmm. the mentally ill in institutionalizations, I'm going to fudge up that word a lot, um, like were... They were honestly treated horribly. They were probably treated worse than prisoners at some points. Like, they were shackled to the ground, like, ill-fed yeah, because the insane. institutions were understaffed and underfunded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people saw that, saw rights violations, uh, duh, that we were treating human beings worse than zoo animals. mm mm-hmm. Uh, that's another topic. We won't get into that because we're not a zoo. We're not an animal podcast. Anyways, so um, I'm just
0: like wait,
1: 1950s. There was a push for deinstitutionalization. Can't say the word. I'll admit that right now. And um, outpatient like treatment centers. Like the goal was to have more outpatient treatment centers and community treatment um, because they figured that that led for a higher quality of life. Which that's awesome. Like the goal of that. Cool. Great. Like yeah, community treatment. Everyone has access to it. You're not you know, chained to a wall in a diaper in an institution. But what was controversial was what actually happened because Reagan cut funding in the night in 1981 for a lot of any state funded mental health stuff. So a lot of patients basically moved from institutions to nursing homes, which again, we'll get into, it takes a lot of like energy and staff and like specific. Yeah. And yeah. And prisons. Um, So responsibility shifted to family. They're like, if they were able to care for them, they wouldn't have been institutionalized to begin with nursing homes, which you have like sick people and like taking care of the, they're not, we're not adequately trained to take care of like mentally incompetent or they ended up in prisons or homeless. And there's like a huge relationship between mental health and poverty. About one fourth of homeless Americans have a diagnosed mental illness, like schizophrenia, bipolar, uh, multiple personality disorder, like things that like severely, severely like affect yeah. your life, yeah. and um, also because of the homeless and criminalization of the mentally ill, about one fifth of all prisoners um, have a mental illness and are really there because their actions from their mental illness mm-hmm. put them into the um, prison system. And twenty-five to forty percent of mentally ill people will be incarcerated in their lifetime. Like that's
0: that's almost half.
1: Yeah, that's, that's almost a half humongous amount.
0: I bet you that the other half are institutionalized, though. Yeah, in, like, the so like few state hospitals, exactly. yeah.
1: Yeah. Or, like, roaming around. But, yeah, so they're either in the prison system or in the um, state facility system. And more uh, mentally ill people are sent to prison due to a decrease in psychiatric hospitals. So just kind of getting to, like... Oh, there goes the Sorry, fridge. The hey, your sticker. fridge is running. You better go catch it. Sorry, that was so fucking lame. a fucking lamest shit joke. That's why I have no friends besides you. you Just do. kidding. You have plenty of friends. Don't you do? You're okay. the only one I've seen in months.
0: <laughs> I mean, listen. I get, I get it. I get it. I get it.
1: But anyway, so that's kind of like a background for a lot of like I think how we both feel about the care mentally ill receive and like how if we could shift to more access to health, mental health care. would be great.
0: Yeah. Because so as nurses in nursing school, so we did the two year associates program. So yeah. Four semesters. And our last semester was we'll split up into like three different sub.
1: It's like critical care. Critical adva- care. M- advancement and psych.
0: And then psych. So technically, if you think about it, a semester's 15 weeks. So in our nursing school practice where we're supposed to learn everything we know, we have about four and a half weeks of learning about mental health. Yeah, and um, I don't not like,
1: enough. It's so
0: deeply intertwined. I feel like with who people are. Mm-hmm. So, like if you're, so if we're talking about severe mental health, like the schizophrenics, where you know they fly off the handle because you know they're very paranoid. Or if you're talking about the severe, like, um, like. Uh, splitting personalities what is it the princess diana had i always get it confused
1: multiple personality no, disorder she multiple personalities what did princess i will diana google have?
0: but basically it's like attention seeking and where they split the nurses against one another
1: manipulation
0: yeah but that's like the main side effect of it
1: princess diana uh, mental, mental. <laughs> Meningal karina no that's not it
0: i was like i don't think that's it don't think that's it but anyway um Nurses aren't adequately trained for... Now, obviously, if you're a psych nurse, that's one thing. But if you're just coming straight out of nursing school, it's such uncharted waters, which isn't... It's not fair to the patient, but it's also not fair to the nurse because we can't provide top-of-the-line care to helping the patient. So, resources, we don't have many of them to...
1: It's just that she had an eating disorder. Her honesty helped chipped away at the stigma surrounding mental health. And... uh Oh, depression and anxiety disorder, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I'm, like, reading out loud.
0: I thought she had, um... Um, sorry, guys. Pause.
1: Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. I keep seeing things about bulimia. Yeah, I was just gonna
0: say, I saw stuff about bulimia, but...
1: Let's anyway.
0: See. I forget what it's called. It's yeah. mental health disorder, and there's a lot of different things. Um... But anyway so i was literally just talking to my husband about this this morning last night so we were packing the kids lunches and he and i was like where's where's archer's water and he's like oh wait he had it over here so he goes over behind the table like gets down on his hands and knees, and he looks and he's like back behind the table where he shoved it <laughs> and he looks at me he's like what would these kids do without us and i was like well they wouldn't survive that's for sure and then my mind, because I'm—I just am this vivid thinker. There's a scene from American Gangster with Denzel Washington. I think is that what it is? Maybe, and it's about like a—he's a drug king or whatever he is—and like back in the '50s, maybe it's probably earlier than that. I'll never forget the scene where there's a mom who's shooting up and she's passed out on the bed and there's a baby screaming on the bed all alone Mm -hmm. and you know and i i'm not much into research about like mental health just because like i feel like not that i know it that sounds cocky and i'm not saying like oh i know mental health but i'm a firm believer that childhood trauma manifests in how we act over years it's how we deal with things like subconsciously we don't think that it has an effect on us but then through the years it evolves differently
1: oh for sure
0: like a lot of people you become dependent on things or if you think you about serial addiction.
1: killers there's like those classic like uh you've had like a sexual trauma as a child More abusive yeah yeah um bed head wedding. injury bedwetting uh, you like kill killing animals. animals yeah it's like the trifecta but like the what initiates it is some type of trauma or sexual assault abuse as a child. Yeah. And then all those things, like, manifest. It's wild.
0: Yeah. And, like, I just... So, my mind, whenever I was thinking about that, like, Tim and I, and I'm not saying this to toot on horn, but we're, like, kick-ass parents to our for kids. For sure. Like, we provide for them. We're there emotionally, mentally, physically. Like, we are there. We are on point. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not saying that we have it all together. What I'm saying is, is that, like, we're available. There's love in our home. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of stability and safety, which is incredibly important. But your
1: children also aren't spoiled. Well... That's another side yeah. story. But, like, we provide that area for them to Their Maslow's hierarchy of yes. needs are met.
0: Because if you think about that, like, that Maslow's... So, for those of you who don't know about Maslow's hierarchy, we learned about it in nursing school. So, I'm just going to briefly explain it. So, there's five different tiers. Think of, like, the food pyramid. Starting at the bottom mm-hmm. is what you should have as your baseline. So, physiological needs basically air water 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 air water food shelter so basic needs to per- to safety whatever. the second tier is safety so personal security employment resources health property
1: which you don't if you can't master if you can't the have level below water, you're not, you not going to have yeah.
0: an area of security like you can't do that
1: like you can't skip rungs on this ladder you gotta mm-hmm. yeah
0: So the next one above safety is love and belonging. So then you have friendships, you can be intimate, you can have a sense of connection. Above that is esteem. So once you achieve all of those below that, so having a sense of love and belonging, safety and physiological, then you have esteem. So it's self-respect, self-esteem, recognition, strength. Mm -hmm. And then the full top tier is (laughs) self-actualization. It's the desire to become the most that one can be. Mm -hmm. So that's like mastery of it all. Yeah. So... And I think that this is super huge into mental health as well, is that like if you can't achieve like I'm not trying to be rude, but if you think about a homeless person, yeah. you know, they're basically just struggling to survive. They can't be their desire to become the most that one can be yeah. in those moments. Like, you know No, not at all. They can't I'm not saying that they can't respect themselves, like that sounds terrible, but they probably can't have the highest
1: self esteem. Or like children who like the only meal they're getting is the meal at school. Like they're not get they're not even meeting their protector and the person who's supposed to take care of them probably also isn't able to even meet like a child's basic needs. So they grow up never advancing and learning things as they're supposed to, which harbors is mental illness. Yeah, it's
0: crippling, and that I think really feeds into you know how you cope as you get older. What do you what do you cling to to get you through those times? Mm-hmm. So I think that also leads into depression and anxiety.
1: And you can have a wrench thing. thrown in there at like any point. Like I feel like we, I probably have like the what first two or three boxes met, but then you get like some little thing happens. Like you can be a full blown adult, have all those met, something happens and it affects a certain level of that. And down. then you're like, but also you could also have all of those things and have some type of mental illness as well oh, too. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting. So Whenever I was doing some research about how much this affects people and there's a lot of stuff on uh, adolescence, sorry, I was thinking about the word. So adolescence is defined as anyone between the ages of twelve to seventeen. Twelve to seventeen years old. So three point two percent of that popul three point two percent of the adolescent population struggles with um, depression. I'm sorry. It was three to 17, three to 17 years old is what this three, is. three. Can yeah. you
1: imagine a depressed, like four year old? Like imagine Emma yeah, depressed Three to
0: 17. Oh, that Sorry. breaks my heart. I should have said that. And so it's interesting. So depression is 3.2%. It makes up among adolescents, but anxiety is 7.1%. That
1: actually like to it's me double. seems low. It's
0: double than what depression is,
1: but that seems low. Yeah. Like think I think of like type of anxiety I guess like diagnosable anxiety disorders instead of just saying like this situation gives me anxiety, because with mental health there's a lot of levels
0: that struggle with that's
1: insane, but also not that surprising.
0: Yeah, it's sad, and it's sad because so 2003 5.4 percent of adolescents had one or both depression and anxiety, and now it's up to 8.4 percent. So it's. (sighs) obviously steadily going up since 2003 obviously with the change in everything and happening and then the use of not only social media but then you know schools that are ever
1: changing and I'm kind of interested to see because like you and I are of the generation we didn't grow up with social media like I truly didn't have like Facebook until I was like in the middle of like high school yeah now I think of it and originally Facebook was like for college kids and I remember I like borrowed my a field hockey, like, a co-field hockey player's, like, brother's college email or something to, like, create Facebook. <laughs> that's funny. Whether I was sleeping with her brother or not. I would wonder to see Unimportant, if a lot of but like yeah from, like, is it internet bullying? Is so it- that's what I was, like, wondering. I'm, like, I'm interested as we're older to see, like, the difference of, but there's also other factors. So, like, I feel like now people are more aware of mental health, whereas when we were younger in, like, middle school and high school- Maybe that many people, like, weren't aware of it, but, like, how social media and apps and people's lives being, like, put their best selves being put out in the open, how that affects, if it would affect, like, that age group's numbers. No, obviously,
0: like I said earlier about how me personally, I don't really take effect to what people post on social media. But I'm also a not normally female. Yeah. And I'm not an ever growing hormonal teenager. Yeah. That can take a look at something and then tear themselves down in an instant, yeah. causing depression and anxiety and whatever. Blah, blah. And
1: those numbers just seem to kind of basically the theme of this episode is we need more access to health care or mental health care. But like if that many younger people are feeling that way, then yeah. they should have more. Like imagine if we would treat them when they're like younger that way, when they reach the adult stage and have like adult stressors and stuff, if they were taught coping mechanisms early in years when they first realized something was wrong, how more not saying that we're not like, I say we, but like more, I guess like me, not saying that I'm not a functional adult, but like I didn't have like access to, I probably had access, just not a parent that gave a shit my mother to like pay attention to like psychological issues I had from like childhood traumas.
0: Well, and the sad, imagine how
1: amazing I would be if I had had therapy when I was in middle school.
0: So, so yeah. So, so if you think about the, those numbers and depression and anxiety, um, so sadly a lot of people, if they don't reach out to therapy, if you don't establish good coping skills, not saying that you need to like
1: have massages every week, and you know, go to. There's a fucking shit ton of coping mechanisms, like, healthy coping mechanisms. You know,
0: you can go to therapy, which everyone has a negative viewpoint on. Not everyone. I'm sorry, I don't mean that. Yeah. There's a lot of people who think that they can do it on their own. Like oh,
1: I'm not going to therapy, and I'm not. I'm not the person that goes to therapy. Yeah. I'm like, I am. Okay. I I'll preach it from a mountaintop. Going.
0: Um. But like, even if it's exercise, if it's meditation, if it's praying, if it's singing, if it's doing a hobby, if it's crocheting, if it's something to just like. Ha- like, healthily cope,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, but it's like, beneficial, it's not, and
1: everyone's different.
0: But then, you know, never mind. I'm not, uh, like, then I think about, like, but then you go to food for addiction, and then it becomes obesity, and then it's this whole vicious cycle, and then you get
1: depressed because,
0: listen, I I'm, I digress. And we're
1: probably going to go off on a lot of side tangents today well, because it's. I'm trying it's, to keep it focused so that we can I know, know, we're like, oh, okay. I, I keep it doing that to myself bring too. Back. Yeah. Bring it, bring um, it back. Bring it, bring it, bring it back. So.
0: Okay, cat. <laughs> oh gosh, sorry, my Grover kitty cat. His little bells jingling, which is really annoying. So, substance abuse. I, according to the CDC, it says that 19.7 million adults, which this one is 12 years and above, have struggled with substance abuse. Yikes. 19.7. So I looked up what substance abuse was because I was like, okay, like what define is it.
1: So it's the definition every that they're using for these statistics,
0: tobacco, alcohol, illicit drugs. So that's a lot.
1: Like, that is a lot. That's
0: a ton of people. And I mean, like, obviously there's a ton of people who smoke, who don't think it's an addiction. It's an insane addiction. And then alcohol is also <laughs> equally as,
1: as we like are both double fisting.
0: Yeah. Because we're Listen, stressed. it's all that we nurses can do. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. But so if we think back to what addiction is, it's the physical and mental
1: Dependence. Dependency
0: on a substance. So people
1: originally 19.7 start 19.7 million, you said? Yeah.
0: People start off using whatever it is to cope. hmm Drinking.
1: It's pot, easier to access... Cocaine. ...substances than it is to access mental health care.
0: And then you go, and then your body physically becomes dependent on it. Mm-hmm. So then if you can't get that you then start to detox you have to go into rehabs which are super expensive and this also goes into this makes sense about how why people who don't are like what did it say about the homeless like a quarter of them have Mm -hmm. so because here's the thing If you want to get on psych meds, Mm -hmm. you have to have insurance. And you have to have a provider. You have to go to a provider to give you meds. And very rarely on the occasion can you go to your family doc and get meds. You have to go to a psychiatrist, which also has a long wait time. Like, to get in to see them initially. And then on top of that, psych meds take a crap ton of, like, a length of time to actually get to their achieved effectiveness. Six weeks is what it says.
1: Yep. And And that's why I said popular popular, but, like, common with bipolar because they'll finally get on meds. The meds will build up in your system. Like, you're feeling good. You're level. Like, you don't have high highs, low lows. And then you're like, I'm fine. I don't need these meds. And then you get off of them and... It's, that's, like, that really everywhere. common with mental health is, oh, I'm fine. I don't need to take my meds, especially with bipolar and schizophrenia. They
0: literally – so a lot of people that are bipolar or schizophrenic, they do a one-month injection that you come into a homeless shelter that has, like, their medical office. Because a lot of places, they have, like, one hub that, like, their retirement – their retirement home. Their um, homeless shelter has, like, a clinic, and then they get their mental health people in once a month, give them their injection, and they go. Because, no offense, you can't have – a severely manic person taking no, the meds. They won't no, do it.
1: they won't do it. No.
0: And then you start back all at square one. Yeah.
1: So I feel like education on that and how to handle being around people or how to not handle being around people, but how to like help facilitate the treatment of like bipolar is important for people to learn too. But
0: Oh, absolutely. I'll never forget the one time my mom and I, we always take the Metro into DC whenever we go to the, like walk around and see the monuments or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We always park and they would, take the metro and it was lovely and I'll never forget the first time it was I was younger I was maybe 14 and I saw my first not only homeless person but severely schizophrenic person Mm. and it was this like just it looks like she belonged as part of the subway like Mm -hmm. she was just dirt and like long unkept hair she had a push cart and she had these like weird discolored doll babies in there and she sat down and was screaming at no one like and then she would like yell at herself like oh you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that and then she would yell she's like get off of me and there was no one around her yeah and I and I looked at my mom and like we looked at each other and I felt like why is no one doing anything for this lady yeah because in my mind I just thought that like I didn't know what was wrong hmm But then I realized...
1: But you were a human being and you realized, like, she she needs help. Yeah.
0: But then I think about it now and I'm like, Jess, what would you have done, though? Like, and it stinks because it's that double-edged sword because people with mental health, it's such deep, ingrained, rooted issues that, like... You would need to take 10 years to peel back all those onion layers to get there. Not everyone with mental health issues is an onion. It's just an analogy,
1: people. Okay. And some of it's genetic. So some of it, it's that nature versus nurture debate. Yeah. Like, is it genetic or is it, like, how you've, like, grown up and stuff? But then I feel like to circle back to... Stigma, like the stigma of like mental health and like seeking treatment. Like people who are just like anxious or depressed or like, I don't want to go to therapy. I don't want to admit that I'm going to therapy and stuff. And then, then there's people who can't just hide the, the mental illnesses. They're going with the schizophrenics or the bipolar, Mm -hmm. like out in public and stuff. It's just really, I don't know, man, the stigma stigmatization of it is, I feel like also kind of what affects caring for them in the hospital as well too. Yeah. And I just want
0: to, so I, whenever I first became a nurse, I worked somewhere and I was, you know, in charge all the time and I was orienting new nurses and I felt super overwhelmed. And I think I was in the first year or two of my marriage and I got to a point where I, my heart rate was high cause I could feel my palpitations and you know, I just felt super anxious and it's weird because you can't, for anybody who struggles with, you know, racing thoughts and like feeling out of it. You really don't know how to put words to it, but it's yeah. anxiety. It's yeah. anxiety. And I remember I went to the doctor and I was talking to her and I said, listen, like, I need something. I need to deal with this. I remember so this. She gave me a med and it didn't really work. And maybe I was just like, you yeah, know, so then we changed it up and we tried something else and it works. And I think I took it from maybe a couple months. Um, and I felt a lot better. Yeah. I was able to be even keel. I was able to roll with it, which was really helpful. And then I got to a point where, you know, I transitioned to another job and I, I stopped taking it. But I know so many people that take psych meds Yep,
1: and it's especially phenomenal. in nursing.
0: It's phenomenal because, and on top of that. Mental health, like there's not one that fits all.
1: No, not at all.
0: You have to try different things, and if you don't have a provider who doesn't like prescribing them or isn't comfortable, go find another provider. Yeah, because you need to try. Like not every pair of pants you try is on going to get your curve right. Like you got to try them on. Like you got to try it, girl. Oh well, God, whatever you are, doesn't matter. But. You need to be transparent and authentic with your provider. Like, that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to whenever I'm practicing is, like, really helping people be their best selves. Yeah. If they don't want to do meds, all right, we'll do something else for Find you. other things. If you want to try meds and we're going to try an SSRI, and then if that doesn't work, we're going to try an SNRI, and then if that doesn't work, then we can go to antipsychotics. But we're going to get you something yeah, that, that works can for help you, me. you be the best person that you can be.
1: I think the shitty thing about meds and it's, like, why I'm very, like – and I don't have a stigma against meds or anything. I'm very open about, like, my mental health issues, which is, like, a lot of it's mostly, like, anxiety. And also my initial reaction to everything is just, like, seeing red anger. Um, <laughs> like, truthfully, like, the littlest yeah. things make me so angry. And so, like, like calming. <laughs> Off goes the, the blinky, blinky collar. Oh um, it's like, I don't want to try meds because there's certain side effects that I don't want to yeah. deal with. Like, um, oh. weight gain and also, like like decrease Decrease in like a sex. Yeah, exactly. Like, like things that my mental health already affects and then to compound it with like meds are supposed to make me feel better. So I don't have any stigma against meds. It's just like the side effects and they of course affect everyone differently. So I, uh, I try coping mechanisms. This is
0: also another side note because you know, that I've been in clinicals for a little while now. So if you're a guy and you, excuse me, um struggle with anxiety or depression and you feel like you need to be on meds it is okay to get started on a med and if you have erectile dysfunction or you have a loss in in like sex drive be honest about it Yeah, be open about it many different meds and it's not
1: not just like just meds like don't be like be open about it to your provider but also like who you're in relationships with.
0: Absolutely. Do you know how many people, and it's sad because, I mean, I get it. It's a very sensitive subject. It's hard to talk about. about And it's like, say you just like
1: meet someone and you don't want to open up to them about, yeah. yeah.
0: But just a word to the wise is that, you know, you can find a provider who respects you and who honors your wishes and listens to you. So if you're a guy and a female, even who struggles with decreased sex drive,
1: switch up the med
0: not all meds will cause it not all yeah. meds are gonna react or interact with everybody's body the same exactly so
1: anyway it's but just, also like uh with like decreased like libido and stuff like even like depression and anxiety affects that too so absolutely
0: i mean it was interesting so i i'm a huge tiktok fan do i make them oh. i might at some point but i started following someone the other day and she's a sexual health uh counselor and which is really interesting to me, and I love it. It's also very, strikes a lot of questions for me, because she identifies as queer, and then uh, her husband is, her boyfriend is, stri- I don't know. It's this thing that I just, I'm trying to wrap my head around. But anyway, moral of the story is, is that she said that sexual, like, sex is 20% physical and 80% mental. And, you know, it makes so much sense, because you know how sometimes you have these great sexual encounters and they're phenomenal and you're like, yes, this is the greatest thing ever, but other times you just feel like a floppy fish and you're like, whatever, take it or leave it. So anyway, I just I think that being open and honest about what you're struggling with in the moment is going to be your best friend in that time and it'll also help you. And don't feel ashamed in that. Like embrace what it is, say, hey listen, I have this, this and this side effect and I don't like it. So let's find something else so yeah
1: I also think it's important to be like open with your partner about stuff too be yeah. like listen it's not you it's 110% me and my brain but also no. like my brain. say like ED or something like. just be open and honest about it most females I feel like if a guy would be open and honest about their mental health they're not like a macho man they would like take it in stride and like mm-hmm. see it as like a turn on maybe that's just me not that I... Never mind. I was going to make a joke. It's not, it's not a good joking podcast oh, okay. episode. <laughs> I
0: was gonna say, no.
1: Depends on the sitch. If it's just a one-night stand, you need it to work. If it's not... Open That's up about... Side. You never know. She's you never know. You mean. never know. If
0: it's a Tinder, if it's a hidden quick...
1: <laughs> it actually. depends. It depends, girl.
0: I mean,
1: for real, for real, though. No. Faux mm. real. Faux real. Um, kind of... So... Just be open and honest about it, everyone. Um, I kind of want to talk about, like, what it's like to kind of care for, since we're both, like, inpatient nurses. What it's like to have, like, a mentally unhealthy, like, psych patient on our floors and, like, the the struggles with caring for that, too.
0: So, I've worked in a facility where we had an actual inpatient Mm -hmm.
1: um, psych ward that
0: people were waiting for the state mental health hospital because they there's a year waiting list to go on some of them.
1: Because there's not enough and they're yeah. not funded and enough. And like
0: I took care of a patient who well, was in and some odd days in our hospital waiting for placement and they finally went. Um, but it's, it's crazy. Now there's a difference between people that have severe debilitating schizophrenia, bipolar versus someone who's just severely addicted. Yeah,
1: for sure. There's a and we want to talk about like difference. both of them.
0: And I am more affected by the addicted patient Same. because that's a behavior that can be changed over time, that can be modified over time, yep. and you can, like, recover from that. Mm-hmm. Se- severe schizophrenia, you're not going to recover. You can take meds and you can be, like, subdued, yeah. but you need long-term, like, not protection, but you need long-term mental health for that. Yeah. Addiction, not saying you don't need long-term but you can get to a place where you'll be a thousand percent better. Yeah,
1: you can get to a place and where. you are recovered. Yeah, you can get to a place where it's a hundred and ten percent your conscious decision and your conscious efforts to not partake in that substance. And I'm anymore. not
0: discrediting people that are going through addiction. I'm not no, saying not at all any better or worse than people with like diagnosed whatever. I'm not saying that from a nursing perspective. Yeah,
1: this is working an inpatient. Inpatient, hospital not a psych unit. Yes, correct. That's what our yes, kind of are about and yes. like bringing light to how it affects our workflow and stuff. And like, again, disclaimer, Jess and I are not shit talking addiction or shit talking mental health. We're advocates for all of it. Oh, absolutely. And we completely and 110% realize that addiction is an illness mm-hmm. and requires extensive treatment and 100%. requires a lot of effort mm-hmm. and conscious effort on the addicted person and also like the resources to help them because Isn't it's it
0: seven times you fail rehab before you are successful in your treatment. Yeah,
1: and people like seven things, times things can happen to someone you're like how is this not what made you quit? But their their minds are also chemically dependent on something else yeah. and are chemically wired different than I don't want to say normal people because there's no such like thing really as normal, but, but someone who like is someone not who an addict yeah, that's not, that. and there are some people who have like addictive personalities, which find like the most random things to just cling to, mm-hmm. but we're talking mostly about like substance addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this, in this here sitch. So the inpatients, uh, so as a caveat, I want to say, We are advocates for mental health and for addiction, but like listen, it's a pain in the dick to take care of addicted patients. And we are real nurses on filter, and this might offend some people. And we understand it's still important to take care of the person as a whole, Mm -hmm. their whole being, and addiction. Yeah, it's it's very hard in the throes of things to take care of addicted patients. So and drug seekers.
0: There's a common thread. Among addicted patients that are hospitalized. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if you're addicted to alcohol or drugs.
1: Before we say this, we understand your pain is real and it's subjective. Before anyone attacks us.
0: Yeah, but I'm talking about. There's a common thread. So, like, if I look at a patient's med list, I can more than likely paint you a picture of what this person looks yep,
1: like. Yep, 110%.
0: It doesn't matter, like, and I'm not saying Or, or how that, they're
1: going to act when they come up or, to the floor.
0: like, you can just tell. Yes. Like, they're the patients that roll up into the ER. <laughs> I'm allergic to everything but Dilaudid. Okay, sis. But
1: I'm even okay. kind of a little a bit allergic to Dilaudid, so I also need the IV Benadryl, like, right afterwards. So, if you could time them the same, that'd be great. And if you can push it a
0: lot faster, ooh, we
1: digress. We digress. Yes, we don't get But
0: patients that come up to the floor and they have a history of addiction or they are addicted will be incessantly mindful of when their pain medications are due Mm -hmm. and they will say the right things to get more pain medicine and they will ask you to push it faster because they don't feel the effects quote unquote they will have pain
1: they have a high tolerance and they also choose their iv sites for it too
0: And so that's usually the common thread Mm -hmm. of people that have had any type of substance issues that we see most of them. Yeah. And a lot of them have family who still come in off the street and who have brought drugs in. Yes. A hundred and ten percent that has happened multiple times. And we're in a very, like... I'm not saying we're in a rural hospital, but it's not a super huge city.
1: No, we're not, not like an urban hospital. City. Yeah. Like
0: we're not that way, but we have it happen a lot more times than not.
1: Yep. And our like, uh, never mind. I'm not even going to say, it. but like we, and so people think that this is every nurse's first road. You might have some sweet, innocent, freshly graduated nurse. Or so you think as a patient, But we know all your fucking tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. patient privacy is important. I understand patient rights. And so we can't search through your things when you come in. Like, if you say no, I don't want you to look through my backpack. We don't. But, like, you'd be fucking surprised where people hide drugs at in the hospital. Like, for instance, I remember one time on this old unit we were on, tiniest fuck bathrooms. I just went in to check on a patient like because they had been in the bathroom for a while I open up the door because they don't lock and this dude is literally pulling syringes out of his butthole please stop insulin syringes filled with heroin shoved up his fucking ass (laughs) and homeboy was complaining about having abdominal pain (laughs) and like wanting like pain meds for his abdominal pain but sir um (laughs) I'm a medical professional, but even not with a medical professional Ooh. mindset, it might be the syringes up your ass. Just saying. And this is what it was pic- like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're baggies. They're softer. They, like, oh, yeah, You sure. know what I mean? Yeah, but sure. like a full-on fucking syringe up your butthole. And like, it wasn't one. It was three. And he's pulling three syringes out of his asshole, which I now understand why he was asshole asking for laxatives and wouldn't let anyone in the bathroom with I've him.
0: I've personally taken so many drugs yes away from patients lighters and like i literally have had more people than like i can count okay not really but like people that have started smoking cigarettes and the they're hospital. fucking
1: shocked and we're like you can't do that I'm in here like, this could be a federal yeah. offense that's like, un- it's is a felony oxygen in this hospital you so,
0: can literally blow things up with this right now
1: yeah that's what I was just about to say so I will tell patients I will be like <laughs> you realize you just committed like a felony and they're like no no you're lying I'm like there's oxygen tubing in this hospital if you light a cigarette up and it gets into the oxygen tubing you've just lit this entire fucking place on fire yeah, and if I you survive know. it you are going to be charged with a felony like I could call the cops right now and have you arrested and charge you with a felony for, I think it's like, um, possibility of like mass mass, like murder or something like Ooh. that along those lines truly. Cause you could kill every single person at hospital. And it's like, what, like a, however many hundred bed hospital plus staff, you could kill every single fucking one of us. And some people that scares them straight and they're like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, whatever. Take it. And some people are just like, you're lying to me. So then I call security and I have security come up and tell them that it is in fact true that. By smoking in the hospital, you're committing a felony. And, like, a felony that has, like, a minimum, I think, of, like, a 40-year sentence. Serial killers get less time than you taking a fucking cigarette break in a goddamn hospital bathroom. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) saying. Ted Bundy did, well, he didn't do less time because he died in prison. I mean,
0: listen.
1: (laughs) Oh, whatever. So I'm just saying, if there's anyone, which I don't think anyone who wants to smoke in the hospital is listening to this, (laughs) but if you know a loved one who wants to, tell them it's a felony. Yeah. Because it's true.
0: Moral of the story is, we know your freaking tricks. We know where you're going to hide it. Yep. We know what you're going to say. I've taken care of people. I, I remember this one guy, guy overdosed in the bathroom. Yep. At the hospital. His family was just there, and they brought him the stuff.
1: Yeah, we know when you're bringing in McDonald's, you're also bringing in drugs in the McDonald's bag. Oh, gosh. Uh,
0: and I get it. Like, I get the threat of addiction and how it affects families for sure a hundred percent and you think this time they'll be different and this time it'll change and like I'm not saying it won't change that it won't be different however there's a good chance it's not that time yet Yep. until
1: yeah people have adequate help
0: it's draining. If you have a five-patient assignment and you have one that has any type of addiction, it's exhausting. Yep. It's exhausting because by the time you get the four other patients settled, you are running back to this
1: other patient. And, you and the are, addicted patient is frequently on the call. Well, exactly. And I mean, they set an alarm on their phone. Yep. I would say a solid 95% of my, like true drug seeking patients have an alarm on their phone and they set it the minute I scan the medication. Cause they know that the time the medication is scanned is at what time we're allowed to like pull it again. Or that's what time we look at. So they set an alarm. The time I scan the patient for the next time they're able to ask for their pain meds. And if it gets changed, like if they're trying to wean them off the IV stuff for discharge, I just, and the providers know this. I feel like most providers don't tell them they just nope. change it. And nope. then, so then when the patient goes to ask for their payments, I'm like, oh, well, Hey, now it's every six hours or Hey, you no longer have IV dilated. They fucking lose their shit. I mean like full on temper tantrum. And I think, and lot the lot provider doesn't tell them that
0: is that a lot of these people
1: have a mental don't illness,
0: have resources outside mm-hmm. the hospital. So if you think about it. The hospital, you can show up. You don't have to have insurance. You don't have to have any type of resources outpatient. You come in, you get, not your fix, but you get a warm place to stay.
1: You get three meals a day. Yep. And And you get someone doting on you. You get meds. Yep. And so people... And And since pain is subjective, we can't tell you it's not. But if I... Have, if you set an alarm to wake up for when your pain meds are due, you're not in 10 out of 10 pain the way you report it. So this but I can't terrible. say that, I'm but I'm going
0: to tell you this. Well, I'm going to tell all of you this, not just you. So whenever people, whenever I asked them, I was like, so what's your pain out of 10? And if you say a 10 and I look at you and I say in my head, in my head, I'm saying, so if I saw your arm off right now.
1: It would not, not be worse wince. pain. You're not going to wince. at all. Because you've already been in that pain. You wouldn't even notice. I
0: remember whenever I was giving labor, oh, I was giving labor, I was giving birth to Emma. She looked at me, she's like, what's your, what's your pain right now? And my kids are all sunny side up, so their head is against my spine, so every time they contract, I literally can't breathe. And I was like, it's only seven out of ten. She's like, seven out of ten? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I can go through a lot worse stuff than this right now. It was really funny because I didn't get pain meds. Anyway, that's another side story, but... It was just thinking about it, and usually, whenever you ask these patients, they're playing Candy Crush, and uh, they're
1: like chill as a cucumber, chilling.
0: But they're, that's like, just all patients. That's not addicted, so don't.
1: It is true. There are some patients that I've had to be like to play devil's advocate, who like physically look like they're in pain and they're like it's a two it's fine i don't want any and narcotics yeah can i like, Let me at least get you, yeah, get you, get you like maybe some ultram even like it's, it's just not tylenol. really addictive tylenol, girl. yeah fine. you good like and then there's some patients who are just like or like they can't keep their eyes open as you're like giving them ivy am just Stop like this it. is a waste of my fucking time like, and then they're like, can I also have Benadryl? I'm like, no, sorry. That's
0: so there's this thing is that if you take a narcotic and you have Benadryl, supposedly it helps the reuptake of it and helps increase the,
1: the high that you feel from it.
0: it. Yeah. It's,
1: Mm. and it's like very frustrating. There's been very, there's been a lot of times where we've been taking, I've had like drug seeking patients who are heavy on the call belt. And then not that it's, because they're addicted that their personalities are like this, but they're also very needy mm-hmm. and it's like, well, my, my, the ice melted in my water. Or I need this. I need this. I need this. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a control issue, which probably plays into like the mental health aspect of it. But uh, there's been many of times where we've had like a very heavy, like psych addicted patient. And we've, there was one section. I remember I might've even said this on the podcast before how like there was patients who were rapid response. Like we didn't, we didn't spend enough time with like the medically sick patient mm-hmm. to notice changes in yeah. them because we were spending so much time with like yeah. the, 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 drug seeker and like arguing with them about their pain meds and just like constantly answering their call bell for like really dumb stuff. Yeah. And so I couldn't spend that time with the medically ill patient in that section, I think for a solid like three weeks. Cause they're, they're never in and out the addicted yeah. patients because to try and wean them off of the IV dilated is hard. Stories, we yeah. Don't, we don't have Lots to to of that. stories. Um, and so this one section kept having rapid responses in it and they were all competent nurses like on top of it, but like it is exhausting and, and time consuming to have an addicted and mentally ill patient. I feel like if we had adequate nurse to staff ratios, I could spend that time sitting, talking yeah. to the psych addicted patient
0: if we had enough psychiatrists. So
1: It's true. That's first, another aspect.
0: During my first clinical rotation, we we would have a lot of young kids come in mm-hmm. and they would be trauma in their past, you know, yeah. family splitting up, abuse that happened, a lot of like deep stuff and usually with kids you want to have a specialist because their hormones are raging and you know you throw in some meds to that and you know you don't want to zonk them but you also want them to feel comfortable yeah and we would just tell them all every single one look on the back of your insurance card find out the mental health phone number call And go see a psychiatrist.
1: Now, those that don't have insurance, though. And
0: a lot of them were on state-funded insurance. So if you think about it, state-funded stuff, you get on a wait list, and then, you know, it could be three months, four months from now. A lot of stuff can happen. Like, if you look at the statistics, you know, you have four million kids that are going through these things. Not saying that, like, suicide... But, like, suicide is, like, on the rise with adolescents. So I'm not saying that it's an escape, but... You don't know. You mm-hmm. don't know if that could have been prevented. If mm-hmm. and there's not enough they had psychiatrists.
1: Access there's not enough
0: psychiatrists at all there's, out
1: there because it's not a well reimbursed. No, um, they're extremely sought
0: after, but a lot of people don't go that route because it's
1: you're I not making it's money that exhausting.
0: way. Exhausting. I oh, think it
1: has hell to have yes.
0: A huge toll.
1: I would rather have five, like, crazy sick patients, like, all of them fighting sepsis, MIs, but, like, I have a clear-cut answer to that. I'm physically and mentally tired, but, like, add that with, like, a psych patient or addicted patient, and I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I'm tapped out for the end of the day. Like, it's exhausting because you fight that fine line of, like... I have compassion for you and I understand that you're a human being and I want to take care of you. Yeah. And I understand that this addiction stems from something. And I understand that like you need access yeah. to resources to help get over this. But I don't have my own personal resources to take care of this and my other four acutely sick patients. And it's just kind of like, but I'm annoyed by you. No, You're not the person. Oh, I know that, that, that but them. I'm there. Who's like taking care of them. But it do you know what I mean? Because we're nurses. Exactly. We do that and that's patient. how our personalities are. And it's like, yeah. You are a human being, and in all of this bitching and complaining, I'm not saying that they're not human beings. We're just no, fr- being frank not. about the discussion of like no. it's exhausting to take care of them, and it's very difficult. And we miss things in other acutely ill patients because they're a lot of times they're very manipulative. They'll find one nurse that they like a lot and because that that's because the because one nurse learned. that gave them the payments. It's a learned behavior. Yep. that can be changed to benefit them to but get we their don't addiction have resources to help it change exactly. And like we would, we consult psych and behavioral health and. They maybe they're overwhelmed, which is highly yeah, likely. Definitely makes sense. But we we seek them out for resources, but our resources are are overwhelmed. And yeah. to their, their breaking point too. It's just it's a very vicious cycle. And you I, I feel like maybe we would have less addiction issues if we offered more <laughs> I I'm gonna say this like a broken record, access to mental health care, even in younger ages. Like, people think kids will grow out of anxiety and depression and, like, and... Like, when I was younger, I only got, like, therapy for my parents divorcing. Not of, like, the many things that happened to me when I was very little. And not at the hands of my parents, but, like, other people. Yeah, yeah, And, like, for a while there, I coasted. And then as I've gotten older, like, it's manifested. Yeah. It's self-viciously. But
0: it's self like, I didn't it's realize like think it. think about it. It's not like you're.
1: I saw this post. It was like, it's awful to be a self-aware, mentally ill person. Ooh. It sucks. You just gave me I'm down. self-aware of my mental illnesses and my Ooh, anxiety. Right and oh, stuff and like preach. my traumas in the past. Yes. And like to try and like be active about the um active about like self-care, my coping mechanisms and like being in therapy and stuff is almost more exhausting than just not dealing with it. Yeah. And that's sad.
0: And the sad thing is though is that like Ryan like you have all the access. Mm-hmm. To the
1: world. You and I take months, advantage of it. Which
0: is awesome. And I'm still this way. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you're phenomenal, but it's just like, there's people out there, you know what I was just thinking about, and this is going to sound really weird, but you know how like Medicaid, once you get to 65, Medicare, you can be on Medicare, Mm -hmm. okay? Or if you're on Medicaid, it's because you have some sort of debilitating, I wonder why they don't make that for younger kids. Like younger kids below the age of 17, yes, there's CHIP that you can be on, which is like Yeah, uh, but your parents have to be of like... Like you, your parents have to put, but like something that guarantees that you can have access to mental health.
1: It's called at, universal health care.
0: <laughs> but like, it's just something that I'm thinking about, and you know, like, just making all of this crap a. a aware. Like, yes, we have D.A.R.E. in high school or middle school or whatever.
1: But telling them that drugs are bad is not going to make kids not do drugs. It doesn't do anything. Telling people
0: that abstinence is key isn't going to properly educate anyone.
1: But if you give them access to a safe way to partake in these activities. Like, hey,
0: like figure out what works for you. This is mental health. Anyway. We
1: were were about to get on a bunch of soapboxes. I digress.
0: But... It's challenging being a nurse on the front lines that's dealing with mental health and we want to provide best care but it's super hard cuz the resources are very limited.
1: Yeah, and like I said if we had like adequate staffing ratios, it's not just like oh this patient's on a bunch of drips and like it's time consuming for nurses. I feel like when they make patient assignments or patient nurse ratios, they don't think about the mental health of these patients. No. Like, okay, yeah, so I'm giving this patient oxy or Dilaudid and or Dilaudid all at the same time every four hours, but you don't know what they're asking for in between those four hours. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just have like sitting and just listening to them. Like I want to listen to these people oh, yeah. and their problems. And I understand that this isn't just someone's not just like, yeah, I'm a drug addict and I'm a fucking asshole for no reason. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stems from stuff. Like right. I, if I had time to sit there and li- just listen, just sit next to them and listen to the things that they've been through to help me understand why this is like maybe a control thing with like their pain meds or this is the only time that they feel like relaxed like I would be more sympathetic to them but when I'm run ragged with giving you pain meds and you're a fucking dickhead to me like I don't have compassion for you and that's another hard thing to overcome is your lack of compassion towards some patients
0: also this is a side note not for the addicted but for any patient who comes into the hospital and does not say please or thank you
1: oh my god do you know how many times i I say
0: cannot
1: (laughs) get on that level i've literally said where are your manners three-year-old
0: says please and thank you every day my one-year-old okay he's like 15 months whatever he's not a year and a half yet but he literally i say what do you what do we say archer and he said dig do that says thank you because guess what you do not you are not entitled you are not above you do not deserve this you yep. need to be thankful, and you need to say, please and thank you. Where are your manners? Where is your decency? <laughs> my are favorite. I'm not lifting up your ball sack and putting powder on this for no reason. <laughs> for you to just. Like, this. for them to be like, fix my pillow. Okay. Slap <laughs> my pillow. You can say please. You can say thank you. You can be appreciative of this. Yep. I'm sorry. Because like, we, we not, too are human I beings. I on your breast folds. I ain't getting all up in your rectum. Sorry. Just for you to be
1: mean to me. But, like, I teach my new nurses that, like, when patients are mean to them, I'm like, no, no, no. You're a human being. If they say, do this, do that, say, you were taught manners, use them. Say please and thank you. And I've said that to so many patients. And there's some nurses that will, like, be in a room with me and they'll look at me like, oh, my God. I'm like, hell no, you're not going to talk to me like that. No. Like, I've just, like, bent over backwards. I haven't taken a break or pissed or shit at all today because you don't want me to blow on your ball sack to dry off the nice sand powder. Like, no no, bruh, put my leg on this pillow. You can say please, and then like please. I'm right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to do? And it's it's honestly the older, like <laughs> the way older people who are very bossy. It's the younger people will be yeah, like, Can it I make a lot please?
0: I've taken care of some of the people
1: and in- there's this one patient that I think of. He has sickle cell, which sucks. Awful. It's very painful, but he oh, has but awful. he has a flare up every every week. Like he'll be discharged oh. for only five days, yeah. and he'll come back. And it's because he's so addicted to these medications yeah. that sickle he basically really spe- it's awful. But he also avoids it. he doesn't avoid the triggers oh, of good. a sickle cell good. crisis because he doesn't get ibi diluted outpatient. But <laughs> yeah. I'm not worried about him listening to this episode because. <laughs> His phone's oh. always dead when he's in the hospital. So, mom, mom. yeah, womp Too soon. womp. Too soon. Anyway, no, we'll see him soon, anyways. Um, but to kind of like also sidetrack and make this like kind of because it is pandemic times, like, I feel like I'm letting a lot more like. like mental health type things like anxiety and like bad behavior slide in this pandemic because like our patients don't have visitors and stuff. So they very literally have no one to talk to. So I feel like even if you're really busy, I'm trying my best to make the effort to sit and talk to my patients as much as I can because they have no one.
0: So, so I take care of the COVID patients and Mm -hmm. a lot of the patients that I take care of are super sick. So I talk to their families a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot of, you know, Reassurance, and then making myself available to answer any questions yep. at all. And, you know, it's challenging, but reassuring them that I'm doing everything I can really provides a piece to them. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I haven't even been on, a, I haven't been taking, I have not taken care of non COVID patients for a while. Yeah. So you have a different perspective.
1: Yeah. And it's like, and I, we are don't have that many of our like heavy psych and heavy pain seeking patients because there's a fear of going to the hospital and contracting, Coronavirus, So I guess maybe luckily is a weird way to say it, but like I've luckily had just like really sick people who I've then been able to like pay the correct attention to. Yeah. And also it's, it's very depressing for patients not to have like visitors and stuff. Ugh. It does, however, make care easier really in the does. hospital. It truly does. But I also understand how selfish I am by saying that. So I know that like it, it, the visitors do provide, like, comfort to patients and, oh, and stuff. So, like, I know, like, by me saying that, it's, like, a double-edged sword. But yeah. just being aware, aware, aware. So, yeah, so we just, like, vented a lot. Got a I lot of stuff out our chest.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, being a nurse in this pandemic, as well as what we've seen on the front lines before the pandemic in regard to mental health Mm -hmm. really brought a different perspective. People probably didn't realize what um, the longevity of mental health is in the United States, how, you know, there was safe havens before, mental health hospitals, lots of resources. But over the years, they realized, oh, we don't need to fund those. And now people literally with mental health issues have prison or the
1: streets. Which is sad.
0: Or a super supportive family who then has to find someone else to take care of their loved ones after they pass and so it's this very daunting you have
1: task limited options of
0: what is available yeah so needless to say um i love all the people who struggle with mental health issues and be an advocate for yourself and your loved ones mm-hmm. definitely be honest and transparent with those around you yeah have good support systems in place and don't lose sight of hope Yeah, And
1: And also be, like, along what you were saying, like, be open about what's going on with you. Like, you're not alone, even if you may feel that way. And sometimes talking to people that have, like, like, not maybe the same experiences, but in which, like, their experiences manifest in some type of illness in a similar way to yours. Or even just, like, Mm -hmm. talking about it is helpful. Um, Like, I personally like I'm in therapy but also like journal it's like guided journaling like they mm-hmm. give you like prompts and stuff and sometimes like I wanted to say introspection but I don't think that's the word I want to use maybe it is mm-hmm. looking in on yourself and evaluating your feelings like you don't need an answer to everything just kind of like acknowledging like this is how I feel now and it's okay to feel this way but how am I like treating other people with it sometimes is is difficult so
0: yeah introspection is right Oh
1: shit! I got something right, girls and guys and introspection, introspection, introspection. Yeah. introspective. We got it. Oh, introspective. Yes. Ha ha! Huzzah! So, this was our mental health episode. Hopefully, um, we didn't offend anyone, and if we did, we definitely didn't mean to. But yeah finally back on track. We're um so the only like two episodes of season 1 we didn't really do was nursing pet peeves, which honestly th- the pandemic doesn't feel fair to bitch about small little things in nursing when we're taking care of people. Mm-hmm. But mm. and then we were going to do like an RIP uh, episode but then this just social came. distancing thanks
0: COVID-19. That was going to be the best
1: one. Yep. So season 2 will have both of those topics and a bunch more bunch more bunch more we gonna have fun
0: listen i hope so i don't know if i find a house and i got a job
1: (laughs) we'll see how we'll (laughs) see how long our break lasts it'll be me bitching about like R and pet peeves it'll
0: be you like a
1: guest host every day. and you'll just be like up on like your like um high horse just kidding you you literally never get on high horse about anything but you'll be like i'm a nurse practitioner and i like totally forget what it was like to be impatient you
0: peons and pagans kidding pagans yeah (laughs) you
1: below me, <laughs> I'm kidding Gosh. rude as fuck I'm not pagan either but like this reminds me of the time that we had a uh, the pagan leader at a place that we worked and I don't know if you still worked there with me when this happened and he would have like guards around him at all times like we would have to like straight cat him and stuff because he had had like a stroke and like it what? was so yeah like he would have like his like pagan minions I guess I don't know please don't come kill me but like like watch over everything that we did to him. And, like I'm a nurse like, for real, for real, for real. I remember what room number he was in on what unit. I'm not going to say it obviously, well, but obviously. like it was like, it was wild. And I remember one of them got off their bike. This sounds stereotypical, but scouts honor and happened, pulled a machete out of his like bike and put it in his pants. And like a patient saw it out of the window and fucking lost their shit. Rightfully so. So yeah, I've, uh, I mean like seriously. I've taken care of like the leader of the pagans. So I'm offended. No, I'm just
0: kidding. I was thinking Pagans is like back in the day whenever it was
1: like... Oh, not the cult? No. Okay. Not the motorcycle club? No. <laughs> no. No. So oh, 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 okay. I'm glad you brought that up. We were up. on different pages that... She done lost
0: her damn mind, y'all. She done lost she her... She
1: done already done had hers is... That's what I meant by like I watch too much RuPaul because I just want to talk oh, like that all the time.
0: Anyway, it's been lovely you
1: guys it this has. season. Thanks so we're going to wish just all the good vibes and i need everything guys if on her board over and help me study she acts like she ain't gonna get this in like, i'm not like, the guys, minimal I'm questions not
0: smart i'm not lies like i act like it but i'm not i talk i am the worst test taker i talk myself out of everything i'm like yeah this might be it but then this also might be it
1: it's oh is this is this your anxiety Anxiety. It's a real thing. <laughs> I know it is. I need to take some Xanny before I go. Ah, oh see my god. It should be, I don't even like care yeah. about the answers. I'm gonna drink wine on the way in. Guys, I'm kidding. I'm not i I remember um So this is like totally a side note, but whatever. So when I was in nursing school, I would study by chewing the same flavor of gum. Mm, I would use the same pencil for every test throughout the entire nursing school. I only used that pencil while we were taking tests. And I would then chew like the same flavor gum while I took tests. And then when I came around to like NCLEX and realized I couldn't have like my lucky pencil, even though it's on a computer, I wasn't allowed to chew gum. I like had a mental breakdown, but then only got... 75 questions so whatever
0: yeah welcome to my life and I had 215 so and we yeah. still both
1: nurses screw look yeah. at you going on to be an NP and I'm just a lonely old medical surgical board certified just got nurse a picture of
0: you like hunched over with a cane as an old
1: little dog little dog. old me and I'm like I like have my cane in one hand but I'm like inserting a fully one-handed because I'm just that you're just like seasoned of a nurse like a dart. Nerviosa. yeah <laughs> I float it into their their urethra <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Mora, and it opens up and just blinks oh. at me beautifully, and then I throw the foley in. That really happened. It did It didn't in my dreams. It did in my dreams. It didn't in real life is what I'm trying to say. But anyways, thank we you guys you. for an awesome season one and for putting up with the times that Jess and I have made absolutely no sense, and we're just ranting, and it's probably hard episodes to listen to, maybe. It's all right. And if we hurt your feelings, like, sorry, not sorry. Just kidding. We're so sorry.
0: Gotta have some Grace. Exactly. Everybody. Okay? You got to have some grace
1: extended. Yeah. Okay?
0: We all changing. We all ever-evolving. So, we all humans, stop playing like you're not. Stop
1: playing. <laughs> oh, God. Old ghetto justice come back. Girl, don't get me. Three margaritas in, and it hits. It hits. Listen, it hits differently I, when you have tequila.
0: If I was born in another life, I'd be... I I don't even know what I would
1: do. (laughs) It's probably about to be super offensive what you were about to say, and you were like, check myself before I wreck myself. Yeah,
0: probably. (laughs) I'm just saying I would be a different person than who I am now. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to leave it at that. If you know me, you know. If you know, you know. Anyway, so email us, realnurseunfilteredpod. At
1: gmail. At gmail.com.
0: Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and... Yeah, keep in contact with us. We'll post occasionally. We're
1: horrible time. at social media, truly. Like, I'm really sorry for the people that follow us on social media because we sorry. get all up no, in our sorry. own selves. And it's a good thing we're not doing this to make money, <laughs> although it'd be nice because we kind of suck at it. Thank but, anyways, um, cheers to season one. And I don't, I mean, we'll keep you guys updated when we start season two and all that biznatch. Have a good I love how you social took Grover's collar off, slash, and then you uh, keep hitting it. Yeah, wash your hands, social distance until slash, the pandemic's uh, over. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see everyone's mask tan lines, mask face tan mm-hmm. lines. I've side note, I've started wearing tinted moisturizer with SPF 30 in it, and I laid out the other day. And the only thing that didn't get burnt was the skin on my face. My lips got burned. My thighs did a little bit. Okay. This was yesterday. I'm just saying, we
0: love you guys. Thanks for listening and
1: supporting us. I'm choosing us. the microphone. Can you hear it? Got it. Cheers to you all, fans. I would say I love you, but I don't really say that to many people. So I do. <laughs> love <you>. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs>